You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? This is Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. First of all, I hope everyone had a great weekend. I know I, I mean, I just had an amazing weekend. I'll get to that later. But before I get into my weekend, I wanted to thank each and every person for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. And in this case, your first listen of the week. I really appreciate it. And I mean, I'm I'm always amazed at how many people reach out to me and and tell me that they've listened to the podcast. So shout out to everybody that has been supporting the channel. And now I want to talk about my weekend. I had I just had an amazing weekend in Paris. I got a chance to spend time with my father. Now my dad, he just turned 66 every year for his birthday. Probably for like the last 15 years, he always goes to Paris. He's a, a big time shopper, so he goes to Paris and spends his birthday there. So. I had a chance to spend time with my dad, which which is always great. But anyway, while I was in Paris, again, I found time to work, and I had the opportunity to spend time with who I think is a first-round pick, Ishmael Kamagate. I spent time with him on Thursday. I mean, just a great guy. I mean, one of the best ways to describe him would be like a gentle giant, even though on the court he's he's not a gentle giant at all. He's, he's definitely a beast in a sense but I had a chance to spend time with him I was able to attend the practice and even after his practice I had a chance to film an individual workout and we did a short interview now I'll post that content it'll be within the next days just have to get a couple things approved I want to make sure everybody is pleased with the work so um, once I get that done then I'll, I'll, I'll put it out and Big, big, huge shout-out to Paris Basketball. I mean, that is a A-plus organization. I mean, they are very accommodating from the director of scouting to the player development coach. Like, Ishmael was awesome. And I even had a chance to meet the president or, or the owner, depending on how they titled it. But I had a chance to meet the, the owner of the club and had a couple conversations with him at practice and at the game. And, again, just I'm, I'm very thankful for the opportunity I just reached out to some people that I knew, and, and I mean, they went through all the channels, and I mean, they're just really nice. Like I said, let me come to practice and film, and so, you know, my content is, I think, well, what can separate my content from a lot, a lot of other different draft pages or, or draft websites is just the, the access, so I'm always thankful for anyone that can help me separate myself, because this draft... This NBA draft space is, is is pretty competitive. I actually spoke with Mike Schmidt from ESPN about that. He was also in Paris to watch Kamagate. And, I mean, just just a, a, a great dude. So, anyway, in this episode, it's going to be a little bit different. I am going to go back on an episode that I did on October 4th, 2021. And I did a podcast on my top 15 prospects that I wanted to watch this season. I even made a YouTube video. It's like my top prospects on my watch list. I'm not going to go over all 15 prospects in this video, but some of them I'm just going to replay what I said. I'll replay the original clip so you can hear how far off I was or how accurate I was at the time, and then I'll chip in with my updated thoughts along with the stats 
and how I feel about the player as of today. So let's get started. The first person I talked about was Damian Collins. And here's what I had to say about Damian Collins on October 4th. The number 15 prospect on my watch list that I'll be paying close attention to this season is Damian Collins from Kentucky. One of the reasons why I'm looking forward to watching his progression is because Collins is a guy that I kind of struggle with simply because I have a hard time deciding is he what I want him to be or is he who he wants to be. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But when I look at him, I see his athleticism. I see his skills. I, I want to see him in the post. I want to see him play like Kevin Garnett. Like I, I know Kevin Garnett can't be duplicated, but I want to see him down low on the block and just using his physical tools to dominate. What I'm looking forward to seeing is how he plays at Kentucky. I just can't imagine Calipari giving him the same freedom that he had with Team Griffin. I imagine Coach Cal is going to have him on the block. You're going to see him as a role man. You're going to see him put up solid numbers at Kentucky, but then he could be a guy that, like Kentucky players in the past, outperforms his draft stock. Whew! Um, yeah, my, my thoughts coming into the season is I thought Damian Collins was a freak athlete, and I felt like he played too much like a wing, and I thought he was more athletic than skilled. And I really was curious, obviously, like I said, about seeing his role. And through 16 games, he really hasn't had much of any impact at all. He's averaging 3.7 points, 2.8 rebounds, 1.2 blocks. He's shooting 60% from the floor, but it's only in 10 minutes per game. Now, I will say that when he does get an opportunity to play over 15 minutes, he's been productive, at least productive on paper. And then you can see the athleticism and just, I mean, he's, he's a great athlete. And the highlight reel plays that he's capable of kind of reminds me of Greg Brown in a sense where he's more athletic than skilled, but you see some flashes of skill that you can work with especially on the defensive end, if, if that makes sense. But like I said, I wanted to see his role at Kentucky, and I did have some concerns. And this is just a case where I feel like that my initial thoughts and gut feelings were right, but I thought that Calipari could get the best out of him and that Collins would end up as a first-round pick. And one of the things in scouting is sometimes you just have to stick with your gut feeling. And again, I, I was not afraid to express my concerns, but I just really thought that Kyle could get the best, I mean, help him maximize his potential. So far, that, that hasn't happened. And at this point, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens the remainder of the season and what happens this offseason. I think that he has some very interesting choices to make. I mean, does he come back? Does he transfer to another school? Or does he enter the draft and hope uh, another team takes a shot at him in the second round or hope for a two-way deal? I don't know. I mean, it's it's very interesting, a very interesting decision that Damian Collins is going to have to make this offseason. All right, now I want to give you my thoughts on Usman Jang back in October. All right, the next player that I'm looking forward to watching is Usman Jain. I've, I've mentioned his name a few times on previous podcasts. It's someone that I'm really looking forward to seeing. He's super skilled. I mean, he's drawn comparisons to Paul George. 
there's not a whole lot of film on him because between COVID and injuries, it's just kind of hard to, to find film. But what I have seen, I, I like what I see. I've had a chance to watch him in person. He is super talented. But one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to watching him is because I want to see how he plays in New Zealand. This New Zealand Breakers team has quite a few guards between Peyton Siva. You have his uh, Hugo Besson, who is also an NBA draft prospect from France. And I feel like Jang is best when he has the ball in his hands. And he could end up in a position similar to RJ Hampton, where he is kind of standing in a corner, doesn't have the ball in his hands. And RJ went to that same particular team. And I felt like his draft stock plummeted by going to New Zealand because he's used to playing with the ball in his hands. I felt like RJ Hampton was a top 10 pick. So I am curious to see how that works out for Jang because I think he's very similar in the sense that he is best with the ball in his hands. That is one of the reasons why I am really interested in just seeing his role and, and how he plays for the New Zealand Breakers. Now, I was pretty vocal about my concerns surrounding Jang and his role in New Zealand. And as of today, this is literally RJ Hampton all over again. Jang had a top 10 buzz coming into the season. And now, I mean, I, I have him as a second-round pick. Some people may still think he has first-round potential. But at this point, I have him as a second-round pick. And honestly, his play does not is not worthy of a second-round pick. But we know that a team is going to gamble on his upside because he's a 6'9 or 6'10, however tall he's listed. He's a ball handler with solid passing instincts, and there's such a market for ball handling wings that can make plays for others. And the numbers are pretty brutal. Three points per game, two rebounds, a little less than one assist per contest, and he's only shooting 20% from the floor and 12.9% from three. Now, I... Again, I was not afraid to express my concerns, but I'm at the point now where I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that he would have been better off or better suited if he would have stayed in France and played in the under-21 league. I don't think France was paying like, like the New Zealand Breakers, but I mean, I think that overall the money that he made playing for New Zealand he probably lost it because I think if he would have played in France and, and that style of play would have suited his game and I think he would have been a first-round pick. But I think he's lost, I mean, just a tremendous amount of money if he falls in the second round like where I have him at. All right, when we return, I'll talk about Jabari Smith, who he was on my list. I was not as high on Jabari Smith as, as I am today, so stay tuned. So I want to talk to you about Shopify simply because Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big businesses. So upstarts and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. You can synchronize online and in-person sales and you can effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility and Shopify, I mean, it literally just makes everything simpler. I have a brother that has a clothing line. And so I've heard him talk about Shopify and how much Shopify has made things easier for him. Shopify has, I mean, a reach of customers online. They have integration apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. And then it gives you like the, the insights and whether it's conversion rates or profit margins and beyond. I would say this, Shopify is more than a store. Shopify grows with you. Just go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA. 
all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and you can get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash locked NBA right now. Shopify.com slash locked NBA. All right, once again, thank you for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. Now, for your next listen, I would suggest the Locked On Now podcast. It gives you nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to the Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Locked On YouTube channel. All right, I want you to listen to my thoughts on Jabari Smith back in early October. All right, the next player that I want to talk about is Jabari Smith Jr. from Auburn. Jabari prefers to face up, put the ball on the floor, shoot jumpers. I've seen the comparisons to Jaron Jackson. I've mentioned that on a previous podcast. So what I am interested in seeing is how he plays at Auburn, seeing if if we're going to see him operate in the low post or mid post, or is he going to be someone that the majority of his jump shots, or I'm sorry, the more... The majority of his possessions end up being jump shots. And if so, how well does he shoot? Is he efficient shooting all jump shots? The talent is there. I think that he can be a switchy defender, block shots, protect the rim. Um, just show that he's very athletic. But I, I, I really want to see his role at Auburn this year. I was really, really wrong on Smith. I had some concerns about his role. I was not convinced that he was a good shooter. Not, not. Let me say this. Let me say this. I knew that he could shoot, but I had my doubts about his consistency. And I thought that, and I've mentioned it before. I thought that he played more like a Channing Channing Fry type player, where he did most of his damage from three. Now, if you would have told me in October that over forty percent of his shots would be from threes, I would have believed you. I, that would not have shocked me at all. But it's the fact that he's shooting 44% on a good volume of attempts that has really been impressive and is something that I would not have predicted. I would have guessed 35, 36, but not 44% on like four attempts per game. I was definitely wrong about Jabari Smith. I think he is in a good position to be the top pick in the draft. He's shown me the ability to go coast to coast. He's shown me better ball handling. Just overall, his game has really grown and developed since what I saw out of him in high school and AAU. So a lot of people have Jabari Smith as the first pick in the draft. I'm not there yet, but I was definitely wrong about Jabari Smith. All right, here's what I had to say about Jaden Ivey. The next player is Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Ivey had a strong performance at the under-19s. I think that propelled him to possibly be the number one returning player in all of college basketball. I've seen a lot of different lists and they have him as the best returning player. So if he can carry that momentum in the season, that is something that I'll be paying attention to. And also his jump shot. I think that's the skill set that is is probably going to draw the most focus. If he can become a better shooter and knock down jump shots, then I think, I mean, it's, it's pretty much a no brainer at this point that he is the number one returning prospect. Well, I I don't think at this point it's a no-brainer that he is the number one returning prospect. I think Wisconsin's Johnny Davis is definitely a candidate to go ahead of Ivy. But Ivy has, for the most part, answered my questions about his jumper. 
he only shot like 26% from three as a freshman, and right now he's up to about 43%. And his attempts per game are literally the same. So it's pretty much the same amount of attempts, but his efficiency has jumped around 17%, which tells me that he put in major, major work this summer, which you have to appreciate a guy that puts in the time. And Ivy has he's really has, has been as good as advertised, and the momentum that he had coming into the season from – the end of last season and the under-19s has definitely carried over into a sophomore year. So Jaden Ivey is a player that I currently have as a top five pick on my latest big board. And he's someone that has, again, I just really like when guys put in the work and improve their game. And that's something that you can say about Jaden Ivey. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to let you listen to what I had to say about Patrick Baldwin coming into the season. Coming in at number 11, it is Patrick Baldwin. And Baldwin is uh, one of the most highly touted freshmen in, in this particular class that some may consider a deep freshman class. Baldwin chose to pass up playing for the Blue Blood schools to play for his dad at Milwaukee. I am curious to see how that affects his draft stock. If he dominates the league, it's because he's supposed to. If he doesn't, then I think that's going to draw a lot of concerns and questions. Um, he has a reputation of being a really, really good shooter. And we've seen that in like the high school level. We've seen that in the prep levels. But he was not an efficient shooter at the under-19s. I know that's a small sample size. I know it's kind of like playing on an all-star team with so much talent that it can be hard for guys to adjust, especially if they're used to having the ball in their hands. But... Patrick Baldwin, playing for his dad at the University of Milwaukee, is another player that I'll be keeping my eyes out for this basketball season. Every single concern I have for Patrick Baldwin Jr. coming into this season has proven to be legit. Again, I was not impressed by him at the under-19s. I felt like coming into the season, he was in a no-win situation by going to Milwaukee and it has definitely hurt him, in my opinion. I still see some people think he's a top 15 pick. He's currently averaging 13 points per game on 37, 32, 74 shooting splits. 37, 32, 74 shooting splits. I had to repeat that just, just in case you didn't hear me the first time. And some of his shooting performances have been absolutely brutal, and just overall, this season has, in my opinion, just been a major disappointment. It's been filled with injuries, and I think he's had some issues with illness. I don't think he's played since January 5th, so it's it's a lot to digest here. But listen to these numbers, and, and these numbers are pretty concerning to me. 1 for 8 versus Rhode Island, 3 for 13 versus Colorado, 3 for 11 versus Bowling Green, 7 for 20 versus Eastern Kentucky. I mean, these aren't... Outside of Colorado, Rhode Island's pretty decent. But these aren't your your big-time programs. And I didn't even mention the Florida game. And now some people may think that his struggles are related to the fact that he's the focal point of the of the defense. And they think that he may look better in the complementary role, which, which is a valid opinion. But you can say that he played a complementary role on the under-19 team, which was successful. They obviously won. But, again, like I said, I wasn't impressed by him there. Now, what I am curious about is to see if he shuts it down for the season. The reports are saying that he's not, but, I mean, he's dealing with a nagging ankle injury that I've I read that started over a year ago when he was in high school. 
Now, if he's injured, then continuing to play definitely won't help his stock. So that's something that I'm going to be paying attention to the rest of the season. Does he come back or does he shut it down? All right, before I get into Peyton Watson, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. And Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. But actually, you know what? I'm going to say it even tastes better than a candy bar because Built Bars are protein bars, but they're 100% real chocolate. They're healthy. They're not boring. Most of the Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your typical candy bar, which is around 240 calories and 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So this is why Built Bar is, it's like a a perfect combination of being a good tasting candy bar that is also healthy. And if you're not a fan of working out, then you can at least eat something that tastes good and that is good for you. And just grab a delicious Built Bar and you can almost count it as a workout. There's so many different flavors to choose from. You got coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors. I know I had caramel. I I, I mean, I went through a whole box in like 30 days. So if you want to try it, go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off at built.com. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new year, a happy new betting year, as we continue to march to the playoffs and beyond, because BetOnline is the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website that you can sign up for today. And if you do, you get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So use the promo code Locked On to get started from football to basketball to hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online. It's the fastest and the easiest way to wager on your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, once again, this is Rafael with NBA Draft Junkies trying to get through this episode. Listen to what I had to say about Peyton Watson back in October. It is Peyton Watson from UCLA. Watson, I thought, looked pretty good at the under-19s. He is an oversized ball handler. I think that he is a point guard. I think that's the position that he's best at. But he doesn't shoot the ball particularly well. And then if he's playing off the ball as a wing, I wonder how does that affect the gravity of the offense because he is a good athlete, high motor, quick first step, can get in the paint, is a reluctant shooter. And even at the under 19s, I thought like he was overpassing, but I think that he can be a weapon as like a you know an oversized point guard or ball handler that you put in pick and rolls because he has the speed and the athleticism to put tremendous pressure on defenses and then he also has the court vision and the passing instincts so what i'm looking forward to seeing is his jump shot if he's improved over the summer and actually what position does he play because i think that he's best suited to be a point but he may end up playing the wing so that is why i have peyton watson as number seven on my watch list and everything that I mentioned on October 4th is still exactly how I feel today I think Watson is best with the ball in his hands which is something that we really haven't seen a lot of 
and the jumper is still a ways away. He's only shooting like 22% on jump shots. Yes, 22% on jump shots. 22.6 to be exact. And he's only 1 for 11 on catch and shoot attempts. And he's 6 for 19 on pull up jumpers. So the jump shot is a ways away. And overall, his numbers are, I mean, they, they don't look good on paper, especially for someone that was so highly regarded coming into the season. Four points per game on 31, 17, 80 shooting splits. So I'll just say it again, 31% from the floor, 17% from three, and 80% from the foul line. Those numbers with four points per game usually do not get you drafted, but we're in a different era. And at this point, I believe in his skill set, but it just looks like he chose the wrong fit. I know you probably thought Johnny Juzang was going to leave. and I mean, it's just different factors in it, but it just shows that the wrong fit or the wrong system can be very, very detrimental to your draft stock and at this point I wonder what would he look like if he was in like a, a Darion Sebron type role all right here are my thoughts on AJ Griffin Duke's AJ Griffin is another player that I, I want to see um, Griffin like Jang in a sense has missed a lot of time due to injuries there's not a lot of film with him either but the film that I have watched I've seen like this stocky powerful guard who i've seen some comparisons to jimmy butler he's someone that could end up being a top five pick i've seen him ranked as high as a top five player and he's someone that one i want to see him finish the season healthy and uh but staying healthy has has been his issue and also i want to see like his, his jump shot if he's an efficient jump shooter and then athleticism now, i know athleticism can it can be something that we all kind of are fascinated about, but I don't see Griffin as an explosive athlete. Now, this is just what I've seen. I don't see him as an explosive athlete with like this lightning quick first step. I've seen some different scouts say that he is a great athlete. I just haven't been able to see it. And I want to see if that has an impact on his game. Now, AJ Griffin started this season slow due to an injury, something that I had a concern about back in October. But over the last few weeks, he's he's looked like a legit top 10 pick. I don't know if he can crack the top five, like I said earlier in October. But, I mean, there's still time left in the season. Now, as far as the jump shot, I'm no longer concerned. And Duke has brought him along slowly, and he started like the last couple games. But he has been... The epitome of efficient, which is why I'm not too concerned about the jump shot. Now, I know that he's averaging less than eight points per game, and the numbers aren't going to wow you, but he's making over 53% of his shots and shooting 44% from three. So that's why I'm not too concerned about the, the jump shot. And, and, you know, back in the, the clip from October, I mentioned I didn't really see his athleticism. But now I see his athleticism. And one of the things that I kind of like about his game is that he's not one of these high-level athletes where his game is just totally based off of his athleticism, which I think could be very beneficial for him in the latter stages of his career. I know that's, you know, hopefully 12, 13, 14 years from now. But I just wonder sometimes about guys who their total game is based off of being freakish athletes and then they kind of fall off a cliff once they lose that that burst or their pop because it's their main asset. 
while even though Griffin is athletic, his game isn't totally based off of him being like this really good athlete. And sometimes you only really see how athletic he is in the open floor. All right, now here are my thoughts on Caleb Houston prior to the season. The next player that is on my list that I'm very curious to see is Caleb Houston. Houston played for Canada this summer at the under-19s, very highly touted, comes from a great high school program. And I just want to know how he's going to play with Juwan Howard and that system at Michigan. He is a guy that I think is very versatile, does a lot of things well. At this point, I don't know what he, like what is the particular skill set that he's going to be able to hang his hat on other than being versatile. So I'm just curious to see if there's a particular skill set that stands out, if he ends up being like a lights-out shooter. And I just want to see how he, you know, performs at Michigan and in the Big Ten. And like I said, this was October 4th as of today, January 17th. I still do not know what is the skill set that Houston can hang his hat on. In theory, in theory, you hope it would be his shooting. But the jumper just has not been falling at this point in his freshman season. He's only shooting 35% overall and 29.4% from three. I, I did a deep dive on his numbers. And when he's in the half court, nearly seven out of every 10 attempts are jump shots. And he's only making 29.9% of those jump shots. His turnovers outnumber his assists. So at this point, I do not know what his best attribute is at this stage of his career and that is something that I felt like when I watched him at the under 19s I my concern was what does he bring to the table if his jumper is not falling and so far at Michigan it really hasn't been falling there's so many more players that I wanted to get into I may do a part two later on in this week but I'm running out of time here thank you for listening I, I really really appreciate it I love the fact that Locked On has given me this opportunity, especially to do two times a week. Sometimes I wish I could do an hour episode, but, you know, got to listen to what, what, the, what the numbers say. But thank you again for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. Now I would say try Locked On Bets if you're into gambling. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and is a, it is available on all platforms. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow with NBA Draft Junkies. Again, check out my Ishmael Kamagate video and interview that will be coming up soon on my YouTube and my website, NBA Draft Junkies. Thanks again, and I am out. <laughs>